Welcome back to the Photo Banter Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gagne, and on today's podcast, I speak with photographer Mark Ostow. In this conversation, I speak to Mark about his experience covering politics and much of uh, the work he's been doing the last year has been covering the uh, presidential campaigns in the uh, New England area, up in New Hampshire and Massachusetts, um, covering everyone's campaign from Andrew Yang uh, to Beto O'Rourke, Cory Booker, uh, Tulsi Gabbard, basically um, all the people running for president. And he's been making some really interesting work for Politico and New York Magazine. Um, so I was excited to sit down and talk to him. Um, he's been uh, a working photographer for years. Um, he's photographed everyone from John Kerry to Mitt Romney, Tony Blair, Hillary Clinton. Um, just a really amazing work. So I was excited to sit down and speak with him. Um, so I hope you enjoy it. And thanks so much for listening. One, two, three. All right, Mark Ostow. Welcome to the podcast, man. How you doing? Good, just like that, we just started. Yeah, we're starting, man. We, we, you're in the mix, man. Well, we're right into it, man. Um, okay, but, do, I, do I look at you? <laughs> you can do whatever you want. I'm going to look at the mic. <laughs> um, excited to talk to you, man. I've been following your work for years, um, and everything you've been doing lately, you've been busy with everything on the campaign, political stuff, so I was excited to talk to you. Um, but I guess, like, how's the past few weeks, months been? Because I know you've been covering a lot up in New Hampshire and all the candidates coming through boston um i think you had a whole little uh, feature in politico um how's the pa- past few months been for you well it's i mean it's really just this week that i'm able to slow down a little bit it's been one crazy i don't want to say crazy ride that sounds cliche but it like a it's been one one thing after another and i I've been going for basically 11 months and New Hampshire's amazing because it's such a narrow small state and you pack all these candidates in there it you could go up there and there could be 10 events and what I'm trying to do up there is not capture the event but actually capture what I call a portrait. I don't know if it's a portrait, but it's a photojournalistic something. Well, that's what I was interested in talking about because the cool thing about your work is like, I, I'm not sure if you do, but it looks like you use a lot of like off-camera flash. Like you had a cool picture of like Deval Patrick. He's like sitting in a car and it looks like a setup, like editorial style portrait, but then I can't really tell if it's more like documentary style or, and then you're just trying to like nab that moment or like how do you approach those like... Is it's it? it's like a hybrid. It's crazy. And that's why the campaign portraits are totally suited for my personality. It's, I mean, all photographers have to make up a lot of things as we go along, right? We're making decisions yeah. all the time. Campaign photography, everything is changing. You have lots of time in a sense with the person because... You know, we're always fighting for time with people like, you know, yeah. can we get can we get a 20 minutes? Can we get a half an hour? Yep. We want an hour and they give us five minutes. Usually and they, you take one picture and they're like, we're good, right? Like, like, exactly. they, like they, they, they think you're like taking their passport picture. It's like, no, it's a little different. Exactly. We're good. That's what they say, right? We're good, right? Yeah, did you get it? Yeah, yeah. It's all the same expression, really. Didn't you get it? And they don't understand that we're working towards something else, maybe. Yeah. Or that... It's a process. So. I, I always try to explain it to him as it, it's like sculpting. 
it's it's like you're shaping the light and you're trying to like move the person a little bit i don't know if that ever helps but that's the way i try to explain it to people in those situations i i like the sculpting and i i describe it sometimes as like when you're writing a short story you don't like use the first draft yeah, exactly and that's show it to everybody i'm gonna steal that one I like really it. it's just yeah it's just like why would i where would i just write something and go okay i'm done yeah Particularly to writers, if writers rush you, you're like, oh, whoa, no, no. How long did it take you to write that book? Yeah. Yeah, uh, you, 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 I was, I was going to ask you about, you photographed, uh, we'll go back to the politics stuff too, but you photographed uh, Robert uh, Reich, the writer, a, a few times, but one I'm sure you get asked about all the time. You, you photographed him like naked, like in a grocery store, it looked like. What, what, was, yeah. what the heck was that about? Jeez. Um, memory. <laughs> lane here so it's um it was it was for a calendar for cambridge community television yeah and uh susan fleischman and i hatched this idea to do one of those naked calendar fundraiser things all right and she was able to nab all these big names in cambridge to be naked but to be what year was this i want to say i want to say in the early 2000s but okay okay maybe 2006 it's like yeah pre like instagram and all that stuff yes so, so i'm like curious i'm like wonder if you could still get away with all those people doing it nowadays i know <laughs> um so we went around so we did these things and it was fun i mean you'd think it would just be like tacky right to have people blocking things yeah. you know the parts of their body but actually it was i just enjoyed the process it was so it was so fun we go to 1369 uh, a coffee house across the street and they totally blacked out their windows and then everybody took off their clothes <laughs> holy shit <laughs> and then we go to formaggio where robert reich was well we, we photographed him at six in the morning but they open at seven so but i really have a hard stop okay and there was a moment there most people were naked yeah. and 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 Bob had his boxers on and Susan comes over to me and says, Mark, can you go over there and get Bob to take off his boxers? And I'm like, you want me to ask him to take off his boxers? So I go over there and I ask him and he says, no way. Hey, Bob, quick question, buddy. <laughs> and I've never had to ask anyone on a shoot, man, woman, anyone know what, you know, can you take off your boxers? It's like just, and he, we used a, a, a little um, cart or whatever. It was yeah. A, it was like a, a basket, yeah, yeah, a shopping yeah. basket to block him. All right. And so then there was a controversy. It was in the globe for a few days in yeah. names and faces. It's like, was he naked? Was he not naked? Was he naked? And it was it was a little a funny thing that went on. So then he takes it um, he takes it on to Conan O'Brien. Yeah, and he takes it on to Conan O'Brien, and and Conan says, "I hear you've been doing some funny things in Cambridge." Oh shit! And they go to the photo. So then I used it as a postcard, and then Bob wrote to me and said, "Could you not use it as a postcard?" Oh, a friend shit. of mine saw it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I said, "Well, you brought it on Conan." He <laughs> so, saw like. Five million people. <laughs> yeah, I think I get to use as a postcard if you brought on Conan. Anyway. Damn, that's an interesting story. Um, but yeah, I guess back to like the all the politics stuff you've been doing. Like, I was kind of curious, like, because I've been following along on your Instagram. Like you say, you've been really been going hard at it for like the last year. I was curious, like, I know you had the whole feature in Politico. 
but was like a lot of that stuff were you just kind of like going up there yourself and just kind of shooting for yourself or were you kind of working with political the whole time or that's a, that's a good question well i also want to go back to also how i approached the shoots yeah yeah but let's let's first let's let's well four years ago i i i did a project for the atlantic and for a new hampshire magazine yeah and this year, I didn't quite know who I was going to work with. I knew New Hampshire Magazine, uh, Rick Broussard over there, is the editor there, and he said, Yo, whatever you do, we'll be happy to run. Damn. So, so that was nice. He's wonderful. And then I just kept on shooting, and I shoot, and I'm just like going up there, and it became this, this crazy, crazy part of my being where where I'm just always checking schedules and I'm just always going up there and I'm always calling Evan at the last minute. Hey, Evan. Yo, shout out Evan, uh, studio manager, killing the game, killing the game. And then so so I call Evan like, you know, 15 minutes before I'm ready to go because I just like look and go, oh my God, actually I can go to this rally or I can do this yeah. after all. And then I say, Evan, he goes, I'm on, and he hops on his bicycle and he's all on right. his way here. And it's just and then we just zoom up there. And so I went up 36 times and I was going up there partly for New Hampshire magazine, but mostly for myself and um, mostly for myself. And then as I got most of the way through it, I, uh, I pitched it to New York magazine. Got it. And New York magazine then First, they're like, we're going to use all your images because I have a gallery of 24 candidates. Yeah, a lot. And I photographed candidates more than once. Yeah. And so we're going to use your, your entire gallery. But then as things evolved, it turned out that they just wanted to use some photos to illustrate an article. Yeah. So they ended up using 10 photographs. All right. So my first venue... Um, Still pretty good. Just um, Yes, it was just like a month ago. It was New York Magazine. Nice. And... Then um, I still had dozens of images, and I still wanted that whole gallery somewhere. Yeah, yeah. So then I pitched it to a political who I've worked for before. I photographed the um, the entire Obama cabinet. Yes, yeah, over website. six weeks for Politico, and so contacted Katie Ellsworth, there, photo editor, and she yes wanted to use it as a gallery. Yep. And then again, I was like. Please use my entire gallery of all the candidates who were in New Hampshire. Yeah. And then when it came down to it, there she's like, "Let's we're going to use the gallery of candidates who are still in the race." Ugh. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I, I was very pleased with, with the, the play they got it. You know, that I got there and love yeah. working with them. Yeah, it's really amazing. Like, because uh, yeah, I never covered any like political stuff like that. So I, I was even this cur curious, like the logistics of those things. Like when you're going up there yourself before you're attached to like New York Magazine or Politico, is it basically this like you can it's you can show up and shoot or is there much pushback? Because like we were talking before this, there's a picture on Instagram. Anybody can go check it out right now. Um, you're like two inches from uh, Joe Biden's face. And it's like with those situations, do you have to have like uh, like passes or uh, credentials or like how do even the logistics of like covering these campaigns work? That's um, that's a really good question. Um, by the time I was two inches from Joe Biden's face, I was already attached to Politico. Got it. So that got me that close to him. Yeah. Um, but generally, I have um, the regular press credentials, um, the Massachusetts, um, 
and I can't remember exactly what it's called, but I have a photo ID. Oh, it's like through the state or something? Yes, and it's working with um, the press association. With Okay. Um, so I actually feel like I'm going blank on that. Um, it's all right. I get it. We got, I'll look it up. Okay. So I, so, so, I have, so I have one credential, but then also for a long time I didn't even have that. And I think a lot of it was I've come with – I have a postcard set of um, – Two shots, um, one of Trump and Obama, yeah. and it's a, two postcards attached to each other. And what I would do is I would get up to the front door of an event or a rally, and I and they'd say, "Who are you affiliated with?" And go, "Oh, well, four years ago I did it with the Atlantic, and then here here are some images." And go, "Oh, wow, there's Obama and Trump." Yeah, yeah. And I go, and then by the time they're done looking at it, I'm like already in. Yeah. And so I guess I talked my way into a lot of events, but on the yeah, you know, they they do like as much press coverage as possible. So of they're course, yeah. So they're both trying to keep people out and also want people to come in. So they're yeah. So I was able, I was able to, to get yeah. in there. Yeah, because yeah. a lot of these guys. I mean, I'm sure it's different for like I don't know. Like Elizabeth Warren probably has like security and stuff. But like guys, me the, like Andrew Yang, like he's uh, was lesser known. So is did you find different camps, different campaigns where? Um, harder to cover than others, or I think each campaign was totally different. Like some of the handlers, you know, and Bernie's handlers are like so aggressive. Oh, They're really? like you can now get this close for three minutes, and then you must move away. Okay. Um, and then Andrew Yang had handlers, but they were whatever. And Corey's people were the nicest people ever. Yeah. And. Basically, I could stand next to Corey. I was surprised he didn't take off, man. Like he, he I thought he was gonna do so much better. Cause I, I, I followed him for years. Like really smart guy, and like he just, I don't know, man. Like it was interesting to follow him. Like he just didn't get that like force behind him or something. I know. I'm, I'm with you. Yeah, I'm with you. His, he, his heart is huge. Yeah. He's kind and so smart. Yeah. And he knows how to fight in a race. And he seems like he actually cares. Like, like I, like I follow it, all this stuff a lot. And like I, I've talked about this on the podcast before with people. And it's like with the political stuff. Like, I, it's being president itself is like seems crazy. Like, it's just like it, it, who would wanting that job? Like, is it ego? Is it do you actually want to solve problems? Do you actually care about people? And it's like hard for me. Like I, I can't tell a lot of the times. But with like Cory Booker, like I've followed him for years. Like he's always been on Bill Maher for like the last ten years, and he seems like a guy who really cares. Like when he was, what was he? He was what the mayor of Newark. He was the mayor of Newark, and he he lived in Newark. Like and he still was, does. Yeah, and he was really a part of the community, and I always respected that. He wasn't like this guy who was the mayor and then lived in some fancy neighborhood. It was just like I don't know. That's my tangent. No, I, I, <laughs> I, I am with you. Yeah. And if, I mean, I had to choose a favorite, it would totally be him. And you can probably see on my Instagram because he appears like five times on my Instagram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's the kind of person who you're shooting photos of him and then he says, let me walk you to the door when you're done. Oh, really? Yeah, who else walks you to the door? Yeah. Nobody. That's awesome, man. It's like real respect. 
Everybody else, everyone else is like so busy, he's busy, but they're actually not because they're actually hanging out yeah. <laughs> afterwards. But everyone always seems like there's all this chaos. Cory Booker like takes time yeah. and looks at you and talks to you. He's genuine. Genuine. And his face so shows, I don't want to spend like the whole podcast on Cory Booker, but, I, but I'd be happy to. <laughs> it's fine. Um, it's this could be part one, just about <laughs> Cory Booker. Yeah. Um, his face shows so emotion. So as a photographer, I just want to stand next to him watch him talk to people and i'm just watching and i have someone off camera with a flash yeah and then we're just watching and his face gets all it's like this kind of clay and it just has and it's <laughs> furrow his brow gets intense and his face and he's listening to every story and every story everybody because you know when you're on the campaign trail people come up to you and like you know you know my you know, my husband is you know disabled and he's at home and his there've been cuts and you know he has to listen to so many different stories yeah. and they're all very powerful and how do you listen to them with you know you get numb I'm sure on the campaign trail he didn't get numb really he actually listened to every one and every one he's like wow this you know and you you could see it in his face yeah and as a photographer I could just stand there all day and photograph him. That's one of the hardest things, like people who maybe anybody listening who hasn't photographed like live events, especially where someone's talking, it is extremely hard to get a good shot because like you said, like people's people, some people blink a ton because I've shot like so many like corporate events where it's like you have to, it'll be like a panel discussion or it's like a speaker and you're still trying to make like a compelling picture, but it's like so you have to shoot so much because like, like you said, like some people blink a lot, have weird like facial this how they talk yes and i was looking for that on the campaign trail but when you're at a corporate event you're basically looking for not that yeah and then you have to shoot so much as you said yeah and it it is amazing how much people blink and how many off expressions you get because the majority of expressions are off yeah yeah it's really interesting was like the political stuff always kind of your interest within photography from the get-go um because if you like going on your website you've been doing it for decades it's like photograph everyone from like Mitt Romney to like Obama like you said um so many like uh, politicians was that kind of always your your kind of focus I think and- it's a strong interest in politics and also um I mean the campaign stuff um started started maybe 10 years ago i worked on a project with my brother-in-law who's a former editor of the keen sentinel okay so he's based up in new hampshire and he had a direct line to candidates yeah and we worked on a project together where we decided to photograph every obscure candidate we could find so there there there's like a hundred people running for president that you've never heard of yeah so we went around he found you know 10 candidates and interviewed them and I photographed them and they were people who've been driving around New Hampshire like in their car by themselves campaigning damn and we don't know about them and they because if you look at the ballot in New Hampshire for the primary there's there's you know there's 50 people on the ballot yeah um so we did that and um the we did that for ourselves, but then we sold it to the Boston Globe magazine. Damn, that's really interesting. And that's sort of where I got my the bug of the campaign thing. Yeah, because that was like so fun. And I like being part of it. Yeah, yeah. Because before that, like you, a lot of your work was like pretty much like portrait based. Would you say? Yeah, I think I think portrait based with a lot of bringing in lighting. Yeah, and setting up a soft box and wanting an hour with someone. Yeah. And I think as I've aged or matured or evolved, my work is becoming, I'd say, 
more it's 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 a simpler approach uh, it's a more bare bones approach it's one light yeah and it's someone holding it off camera yeah and it's moving around the light and there's something softening the light but we're moving the light and as you said, talked about moving, you know, getting that. How did you describe yeah, that? Well, yeah, you shot um, the one that stuck out of my mind that you shot Deval Patrick. And it's like him sitting in a car and he's just kind of looking up at you. And I couldn't tell if it was a setup shot or it's more like you had your assistant, Evan, hold this light. He's probably going to come this way and I'm going to shoot this. Like, what was the scenario? And it, and it actually is a, it's a hybrid yeah. of that is that. And this is what I ran into throughout the, the campaign project is that he's moving his way to the door he remembers me yeah because i photographed him for and it was in the new york magazine project so then he remembers me and i'm like great to see you again governor and he's sort of moving towards the door and i say is there any chance i could photograph you while you're in because his car is waiting out front yeah is there any chance i could photograph you in your in your vehicle and he looks at his people and they're like in a rush to the next event or whatever they're doing. And everyone's like, looks at each other and they go, okay. And then the amount of time it took me to shoot that was just like five minutes, literally. Yeah. And then I had someone with a light um, right through the front dashboard there. Yeah. And then we lit it and I knew sort of what I wanted yeah. and I just, it just happened. And it's was important for him not to smile because he was definitely in a smiley mood. Yeah. And so I, but I didn't have to ask him to take off his boxers. Just get it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he was, um, anyway, he was very kind to work with. And so, so it was five minutes. might've been even four minutes. So, uh-uh. and that shot, if I had envisioned it and brought in lighting and tried to do that, you know, would take half an hour to an hour. Yeah, it was really amazing, and it, it, it's actually this amazing. You had he gave you that much time because, like, just looking at all the coverage of all these campaigns and stuff, um, there's a lot of other photographers there. Like, a probably I would imagine at most of these events, different outlets. What's like the vibe in terms of like this? All the other photographers, because everyone's trying to like get their space. Everyone's trying to get their spot. Like the fact yes, that good questions. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yes. So I think as as it got closer to the actual primary, as it got closer to the primary, there were more photographers and outlets were sending photographers like Time Magazine, Bloomberg, everyone. Exactly. And they would they would actually relocate like Time New York Times would send someone from DC. Yeah. Plus they have local people yep. like Liz Franz and, and other people shooting for them. So they're like have all these photographers around. So there's just so many photographers. And I stand out a little bit just because I'm under like zero pressure. This is what was sort of beautiful about it. Oh I'm yeah, because like, they're all they're all working on like a wire where they need to like their editors like we need something like right now like da da da. Yeah, we need to capture. You need to capture the event. Yeah, yeah. We need to capture this. And I'm like, I can capture whatever the fuck I want. Are we let's say fuck on. Yeah, we can, you can say whatever you want, man. Okay. Fuck it. Fuck it. <laughs> so I'm trying to capture basically whatever I feel like doing. So if I want to just lay back yeah. and just have the press around the candidate. That's my shot. Yeah. Um, there's a Bernie shot that I just put on Instagram there where like it's a packed room and the press is there and the Yeah. Anyway, and there's great there's light on him. Anyway, so I I feel privileged. I come with a certain privilege because either I'm doing it for myself or I'm gonna end up or it's gonna end up on Politico or something, but I'm just doing what I want to do. It's my own essay. Yeah. 
so I think you, you don't have that pressure like where everyone's like because I always hate it. maybe this is like maybe a similar thing where I've shot like a couple like live sporting events where there's like the same thing there's a lot of photographers from different outlets be it Getty be it the AP and everyone's just kind of jockeying for their spot and it, sometimes it can feel like some dudes have like attitudes about it and I'm, I would imagine maybe I'm wrong it could be a similar scenario within the politics thing yes and so whenever I'm in tight quarters with any of these people since I'm looking for something different I'm always willing to give up my spot yeah I'm always willing to step back and say do you want this do you want this yeah yeah because I just seem to it just I don't even know what i want yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm just just there to sort of watch yeah um i also think that maybe i'm annoying to other photographers there <laughs> why is that i just feel like because the way i'm look at this guy with his off-camera flash <laughs> yeah well yeah because i always come i always come with an assistant yeah yeah evan do you think we're annoying to people on the yeah that's awesome it's okay it's awesome. <laughs> i just i just feel that that they're, they're under they're, they're under pressure. Mark, Mark, you don't got the 70 to 200 on one hip and then the other. No, I, I, I'm like changing my lenses in the middle of things. You know, like, and then I'm transmitting yeah. to, the, to the flash. And I'm controlling the flash, controlling the power. And basically, I'm trying to isolate the candidate so it almost looks like a portrait. It looks like I spend time with them. Now, sometimes I do spend time with them. That's the interesting thing. I've always looked at your photography. I'm like... It goes back to the same thing. Like even your older work, I'm like, I never can tell if it's like a setup portrait shoot, or if it's this like your your capture. Like you said, you're it's still an event, but somehow you do it. It's really amazing. Like oh, thank you. It's it's hard to do because like as you know, those events are so much chaos. And photographing in any spaces where there's this like so much like signage and people and this bullshit in the background like making a, it's like so difficult to do you thank know you. thank not, you so much and what i'm trying to do is is like avoid mics as much as possible avoid signage and so i'm just like i'll just stand back there and i'll change my angle like people will be facing the candidate yeah and then I'll go all the way around to the side. Yeah. And then I see, oh, there's actually black curtain or curtain something. there. Yeah. And then suddenly I have my shot. Yep. Or I'll stand next to Elizabeth Warren while she's doing selfies for an hour. And then there's a moment where she just like has her hands clasped near her neck. And I'm like, and she also doesn't even know who I'm affiliated with affiliated with at that point yeah i'm just standing there for an hour just like shooting while they're shooting selfies and everybody's sort of like who is this guy who's and i of course i showed them my postcards and okay. explain everything but still they're just like getting a little suspect that was a time when i didn't have an assistant yeah so also an assistant does give me some like, some some gravitas a little bit got it got with it. the candidates you yeah, know yeah yeah so i'm coming up there and but I do feel like I'm annoying in some ways, and my the flash gets in the way yeah. of people. And and but anyway, they they work really hard. Those photographers. Um, and yeah, and there was one photo on your Instagram. You it was kind of seemed like an interesting story. You photographed Tulsi Gabbard, and it, it seemed, you literally photographed her like in a like a like a shopping center parking lot, and it, it was like what was the scenario with that, and like how much is it. Like you really to get this time with these people, be it like Deval Patrick or like that scenario, how much are you pushing their PR people or their handlers like to get that time? Because like we were saying before, there's a million people that want to shoot them. Are you really kind of this really, hey, like let me get getting after it and kind of this kind of pestering them? Like, hey, let me get a couple minutes. Let me get a couple minutes. It's like, it's, there is some pushing. 
Um, I'd say the Tulsi Gabbard thing is was a, a so I, I was in sort of southern New Hampshire at a different event, and I can't even remember which candidate. And then looking at the schedule, and I'm with uh, my friend Jen was helping me that day. Yeah. And we're looking, we're looking, and we're like, oh, Epson, New Hampshire, Tulsi's up there. And like, do we go there? Which direction do we go? Do we go home? That's going to take us really late, yeah. you know, to go up there. And then suddenly, like, we're on the road, we're going to Epson, New Hampshire. <laughs> so you're, you're, you're in an area that has a few a few very small strip malls yeah and then we're ending up we're trying to end up at a bingo hall all right and then where she's going to speak yeah and we get there early which like is rare for me okay but we're there early and we're just driving around a little bit and there's a few places and then i say let's go to that strip mall over on the right so we pull into the strip mall and in the strip mall there's like four cars and there's a white van and Jen looks at the white van and says, I bet that's Tulsi's van. All right. And I go, no way. And as we get closer to the van, we see a little light on in the van, and we see Tulsi's face. Oh, man. And we're like, jackpot. <laughs> so oh. now we have to figure out, okay, so now we have to, so we, we're in this isolated strip mall in the dark. We have to, like, somehow approach the van and not make them feel threatened. Hey, we're just following you here, though. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But I'm thinking we're, we got 45 minutes before she's at the at the bingo hall. Let's go for this it. This could be my chance. And just a few days before, yep. I had started to think I want to photograph one of the candidates with headlights. Yeah, you use the headlights of your car, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I had thought of that just a few days ago because I was spending time with Andrew Yang, and I was thinking, okay, when do I ask them if I could could photograph him with headlights and it didn't quite happen yeah and then i was just on my mind the headlights are here it is Let's we're do it. in this strip mall gotta go and for it. this and so so we both approach and it's always helpful for me to have a woman with me yeah um just as a sense of feel people are less threatened you think you, so? Yeah. Oh, I do think so. All right. Well, you, you got a, a middle, I don't know if I'm middle age anymore, maybe past middle age. So, like, you got like this balding, weird looking guy yeah. walking up in the darkness. Now you're right. Knocking on the window. Or you have two people. Yeah. And one seems less threatening than if I was by myself. Yeah. So, I just feel like that just, it, I don't know what you make of that, but it just... Uh, no, I think you're totally true. I think it's like, there's a million things. It's like, as you know, like, especially with the portraiture stuff, it's like setting the mood of the set, be it even if you're shooting studio or location, like use anything to your advantage, like play music, like just any any scenario where you can like put people more at ease is use it to your advantage pretty much. Yes, that's, uh, I totally agree with you. Yeah. So that's what I'm doing. It's just trying to approach the van <laughs> without them like locking their doors. Yeah. So we approach the van. They open the window a little bit. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and I explain, and I have my postcards. I'm handing the postcards. Yeah. And I'd already photographed Tulsi at a parade and was with her for a little bit there, but that was like four months ago. Okay. So like, yeah, how would they ever remember me? No. So... I, we do all that, and they're like, "Great, we're we're happy." You know, give us give us five minutes to finish what we're doing. Right. And it turns out her husband's a cinematographer, and he has a whole LED light panel. Damn. And then they they come out, the whole team comes out, and Tulsi. It's like you need a scream, Jim. Yeah, they, they 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 had everything in their van. They had everything, and they had time, 
and they were just kind and then they were they were it was just amazing and no. it was just a, one of those fun serendipitous moments of the campaign to run into her no it was an amazing story and i, I really appreciated the uh, headlights um with Yang, because I know you photographed some. He came to Cambridge. You for I think you photographed him in Cambridge when he came here. Um, did you get a chance to do a portrait with him or anything? Did you get some time? Or? I didn't. I didn't get time with him, but I did. Um, Brown University hired me to do some shooting of him, and then, and then he was in the other. I so I, so I basically I had five situations with him. Um, I in Concord, New Hampshire. I had him for a few moments, right. and I didn't even like it. He was an interesting guy, man. I really appreciated his campaign. Uh, it's too bad it kind of ended, but he had some like unique ideas, and, and same thing. It seemed like a guy who was genuine, kind of. At least when I all the interviews I saw with him. No, I, I was sad when he dropped out too. Yeah, it's tough, man. He was kind of getting fucked. Like he he was like uh, a couple months ago. He was booming. Like he his campaign seemed like they were they were making money and like. Uh, CNN this wouldn't put them like on the screenshots like they just would like X them out like it was this it was this kind of fucked um, I know CNN does have a lot of control CNN is trash it's uh, CNN is, uh, like I look at it, like I actually watch all of them I even watch Fox and I watch all these channels just to see like what it is and CNN obviously leans democratic but it's still this like it's almost like a mix of like TMZ, like it's it's like dog shit, like it's so like I don't know, I, it's, CNN's weird. Yeah, um, I don't know if I can agree that dog shit, but I could say that they are a little sensational sometimes. A lot, yeah, it's, a lot. <laughs> it's not here. Um, when I move further from this, is this bad? No, you're fine. Okay. And the thing I'm always curious, like covering politics, do you feel like your personal politics are infused with your work? Or do you approach it from like a neutral standpoint, like as a traditional like photojournalist might, or like how do you kind of approach that aspect of the work? Or even th I've been you, thinking about that lately. Yeah, because I'm like focused. I have one photograph of just Joe Biden's brow, his yeah. furrowed forehead, and it's like so wrinkly. Yeah, and so I was trying to think like, is it because I mean? I was a huge Joe Biden fan, and now I'm sort of disappointed. Yeah. After hearing him speak, like, you know, live five times, and I'm just, so I'm just sad about that. Um, and obviously, uh, <laughs> hope that that he drops out of the race. Um, um, so I'm sort of trying to think about, like, the way I'm portraying the, portraying the candidates. Um, are they, is that affected by... Yeah, because you'll see it. Like, I know, um, like, I interviewed Tom Brenner, who's, like, a he covers Washington uh, for, like, Reuters and New York Times a lot, like, the White House and all that. And he won't outright say it, but you can tell the way he's lighting, like, Trump in certain ways and how he's uh, composing him. Like, you can tell, like, he's not a Trump fan. Like, so, like, that's what I'm always curious about, like, how people approach it. Like, is it, like, I know some people are like, hey, I'm going to make try to make, everyone look good like or i'm gonna try, or like we we're saying like putting your own personal politics into the work like i think i think i can't help but subconsciously put my personal politics into the works yeah i just can't i mean i try not to yeah but there were images that i passed over of cory booker uh, that i just said like oh no i can't use this yeah because you're like oh, i gotta make him look good I, yeah. no i i, it, it, I or not even good i just don't want to make i don't mind making him look bad yeah. i just don't want to make him look horrible got it okay no i, I think i'd make anyone look bad yeah if it's an interesting image, I'm not going to pass over that image. Yeah. 
So, but it's more that I don't want to make them look horrible. No, I get it. Uh, and with like, did, I know I, you had some photos of Trump on your website. Um, did do you cover any like any of his rallies or anything like that? Or it was um, I this time around. I did I did last cycle. Yep. And that's where I got that photograph of him yeah. holding his head. Yeah. Because um, he was in New Hampshire. Was he there? Was he there last week? Yes. Yeah. And I and I had credentials for that. Yeah. event yeah and that was right after i hurt my knee fuck which i hurt right at the end of the campaign yeah the new hampshire campaigns and yeah. i just i just couldn't get myself to go to that all right so. yeah yeah because I, I was interested like because i had this scenario i've talked about it like a bunch of times where like last year or no I'm like no it was last summer i photographed sean spicer and uh and I was like kind of conflicted about it because like I don't agree with him and like his whole camp and everything. But then I was at the same token. It's like I'm a photographer. It's a client I've worked with for years, so I'm like trying to maintain that relationship. And it's like this weird balance. Like, do you ever like fight that yourself? Like, because like, like looking at your websites, obviously not just the campaign stuff. You're shooting like portraits and things like that. Um, have you ever had a scenario where? Um, you didn't agree with someone politically where you didn't want to take the job or you just kind of approach it as a photographer and that's your job and it's not really your point to put your issue into it, I guess. Um, I like that question. And I would say that I would photograph virtually anyone. I mean, right now, if you hired me to photograph the entire Trump cabinet, like I did the Obama cabinet, yeah, I would do it. And I've been thinking of doing that project. And I, it's not like I would like these people, but yeah. I would do is, you know, make, try to make compelling portraits of yeah. them. I think it's smart, man. Like, even if you don't agree with people, I think it's just smart to at least try to even understand their perspective a, a little bit if you can, you know? Like, even when I photographed Ted Cruz four years ago, I spent, I spent maybe 15 minutes with Ted Cruz. Yeah. And I had this moment with him where we looked at each other and we agreed that we totally disagree with each other. Yeah. And, but at, at that point, I respected him on some level. Um, and then I didn't like that he actually, now he's, he's in the, the, the Trump camp much more than he was then. Then he was... Which is crazy, man. He was resisting it. Trump, Trump was like shitting on him and his whole fucking family. And then it's just like, it's like he's forget about that. And now you're just like kissing his ass now. It's like. And the, he doesn't forget about it because I'm sure at night he's going like, oh my God, I can't believe none this of, guy. None of those motherfuckers have, have a backbone. Like none of them. And like, I, that's my problem. Like I vote, I've, I've voted since I turned 18 in every election. I vote in the local elections, but I still like, I have a hard time like believing any of these people. Like it's a lot of, it just seems like, I mean, that's, I'd be interested in your perspective. Cause you've been around these people a lot more. Like what percentage of these politicians do you think actually care about like solving problems versus like their ego and power and everything that comes with the job. Like what's your perspective on like spending time with like all these politicians over the years? I mean, I don't, I don't really have any great insights into that except to say that it's probably just a mixture, just like everything else. It's yeah. just like you got some people who in their mind, they're rationalizing and think that they care about people Yeah, and they do care about some people. And I, I mean, one thing I don't like about Bernie is that things are so black and white with Bernie and Bernie talks about corporate corruption 
and says the corrupt banks and their corrupt fossil fuel industry and the cor corrupt farm industry. Yeah. And I think there is corruption in all those industries, but I don't, there's hundreds of thousands of people who work in those industries. And so there is, there is and there are also some farmer companies in Cambridge, biotech companies oh, yeah. that are making huge headway yeah. in fighting cancer. Yeah. And so I don't understand. So to me, it's, it's, I don't know how I got on that. I just wanted to work that in there. Um, they they go so far to one side, they forget. They kind of like, there's a large people in the middle that are like lost or something, it seems like. Yeah. Like, I like Bernie, if you really care about people, like care about the people who work for those companies and have some subtlety in what you say. Yeah. So say there's a lot of corruption in the pharma industry. Yeah. Not those corrupt farmer corporate but i think for him it's like more of like a better headline or like sound bite where it's more intense rather than being like and who is that like uh what who is that like oh Who's, uses hyperbole and oh that? donald trump exactly like, yeah like it's all this like well that's like our news cycle now it's all this like hit 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 it's like it's like let's get the sound bite let's get the 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 little post on instagram or whatever it's just i don't know it's interesting um, but just like most of the country is in the that, that area that gray area in between yeah you know and just most of like people's feel like people i think everything is more so much more complex oh 100 and and so you ask do do i see the politicians you know do they really care about people or what are they like yeah. and i think there there's that mixture they might you know they might be yeah corrupt on some things yeah um you take you take a politician and you give them a big donation, you you even subtly. I mean, if I give someone a box of chocolates, yeah, um, the woman who runs the parking and you know <laughs> near MIT, yeah. and I give her, and there was a time when she wasn't I wasn't supposed to park there. It was yeah. like when I had an MIT client too, and I went there regularly, and she's not supposed to let me in. Yeah, right. I just I didn't have any passes, and then one day I came with this box of chocolates, and I put it through the window and said, I got you something. And she was pushing it back because she knew that if she took those chocolates that she was, I was always going to be able to park there. Oh, damn. And then she kept on pushing it. I kept on pushing it towards her. It was like a curb your enthusiasm. It's like, now please, please take this. And she finally took those chocolates. And then after that, it was like, I just pulled up and go, how oh, are you? Like, and then yeah. she'd go like, oh, there's a spot over there. So and I'm not saying that she's corrupt. I'm saying it's just yeah, it's like yeah. sort of human nature when someone does something for you. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So I, yeah, I just, so there, so there is some level of corruption built into the system, but there's also, also a lot of people who care about people. And you take a congressman like, Jim McGovern, who's like just the, he's from the Worcester area. Yep. He's now um, head of the rules committee. He's just like like heart, like yeah. huge heart, and is just there he's really. A, yeah, he's a part of that community, and he he has a vested interest. Exactly. In it. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. but he's but is he affected if someone gives him a big donation? Slightly, maybe, just because everyone is. Yeah, you're right. How do you insulate yourself? I know Elizabeth Warren's trying to insulate herself by saying, "I'm not going to take any big donations at all," or. Or I'm not going to know who donated. I know what she's trying to do, but you know it's just hard to do. Yeah, in this nah, world. No, nah, it's interesting. Um, and you know, another thing I was kind of curious, like in the day and age where like there's so much video content out there, um, like w how important do you think still photos are still um, in terms of like 
are they important now with the political stuff? Like, how do you view it? Like, cause I know a lot of photographers have gotten pushed into the video world and things like that. Um, but what's kind of your, uh, perspective on still photography and what value does it bring, um, these days you think? There was a few years ago, there was this fear that video was getting so high definition that no one would send a still photographer yeah. anymore to do anything. Yeah. And even for, for a portrait, you'll just send a videographer, they'll shoot video, and then they'll choose a frame yeah. that's a portrait. But that really hasn't happened, and I think we do bring some added value. Yeah. Us still photographers, there's something about what we do. Mm. So I don't think we could be replaced. Someone else was telling me that robots robots were going to replace us. They're just going to send a robot. <laughs> And I'm like, I'm sorry, but that that's just not going to happen. No, no. Um, good luck to you, right? <laughs> but there is less work out there in some ways between iPhones and so much video yeah. and fewer publications. And there's just yeah, it's and digital photography and the internet. There's somehow, I think there's still a lot of photographers fighting for... A smaller jobs. pie. Yeah. And, oh, actually, I was excited to talk to you because you posted on Instagram last week. Um, at, this has actually happened to me, too, where I think it was some of your political photos. I don't know if there was the ones from Politico or whatnot, but Apple News, this kind of took some of your photos and it it came up in the feed. Um, what was kind of your initial reaction, like, when you saw that? And, like, because it's a weird thing. Like, every anybody who's done, like, photography professionally long enough eventually your photos is going to get taken and used without your permission. It always happens. Right. Yeah. Uh, so I agree with you. That's sort of a given that's going to happen. This was egregious. <laughs> this was, this was robbing both me and New York magazine. How did you find out you this like a friend in. of mine texted me right. late at night. She says, I just was in my my Apple news. It was headlining a Apple news and it was a collage of images that New York Magazine put together for the web version yeah. of the story. With, so it had, my, it had my campaign photographs in a collage of, like, the top four. It had Bernie, Warren, Buttigieg, and, um, and, and, and... Yeah, f- like Yang or something. Yeah, like, this is like, I can't remember the EPA. Do you remember that debate? Um, uh, where Rick Perry couldn't remember all the oh all the yeah, 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 yeah I'm like how can I not remember <laughs> That's right. we, the fourth person we got the point but yeah it was just like so okay so what they did so New York Magazine does this collage yeah and they use it on the web and they also use it they, yes, they use it on the web and then Apple News is promoting the New York Magazine article right because I think what it is I could be wrong but like all the big like magazine companies like I don't know, like Hearst and whatever Time Inc or whatever the big ones are that are left, I think I could be wrong, but I think they have like partnered with like Apple News. Yes. And so if you pay like per month, you literally get like every magazine. So I think. Yes. Yeah, so here's so the, yes. So you're right. And so what happened is Apple News is promoting this New York Magazine article. Yeah. Right. So they're promoting it, promoting it, promoting it. There's this this collage of photographs. Yeah. And then there's a link to the article and it comes in different permutations. You know how they, you know, it just comes up in different ways. So then as it gets to, you know, Iowa caucus night, they're still promoting the article, but the article had come out two weeks before and was suddenly a little less relevant. So what happened is someone at Apple News took the images and removed the link. 
so that suddenly the images are by themselves with no credit, no nothing. It's basically Apple News saying, Iowa caucus coverage. It's like a banner ad. It was a banner. Yeah. It was a banner for Iowa caucus coverage. So it became, so it wasn't that it was buried somewhere and they used it. I'm talking about it was their banner for Iowa caucus coverage. So like, that, so then I contact New York Magazine and said, so what gives, you know, is that, is that okay? Do you have some, is there some small print that says that because they promote your pieces, they get to use the art however they want to? And they said, no, that shouldn't be separate from the article. Yeah. Oh. They can use the article with the art, but they can't just use your art. So they're working on it on their I'm end. Sure, I'm sure. I'm sure Apple. Um, they'll be in touch. <laughs> yeah, I, everyone's hoping I just like forget about this. You yeah. know, it's just like yeah, yeah. It sucks, man. I've been in those situations. It's like, like unless you're like got a lot of money to got a lawyer or something. It's like you're just helpless. It feels like a lot of times. Yes, it's it's, it's a tough situation. And most situations, I would sort of let go if it was one image and it was one moment. But this is a lot. This was a lot of images, and it was high profile. I mean, how many people saw it? A million, maybe. Probably more. I mean, Apple News is huge. Yeah. So then this is their banner. So like they used it in yeah. a big way. So I don't want to nah. harp on that too much. But no, nah, it's interesting because I think a lot of people can relate to that. Um, and I guess to go back, like, like how did you kind of get into photography initially? Like, did you kind of grow up here? We're in Cambridge right now. Did you kind of grow up here? Like, how did the? It was. Um, I mean, my origin story probably is a lot of is similar to a lot of people's. As far as like, yeah. I, I was a skateboarder. No, it was not skateboard. I, I heard that one of your podcasts. Yeah, a lot of skateboarders. <laughs> yeah, are there? Yeah, yeah, I heard that. Um, good podcasts. All right, thank so you. I hope this one this lives up to the other oh, one. This is great, man. <laughs> okay, thank you, thank you. Um, so we go back to my grandfather. This must be nineteen sixty something, and my grandfather gives me. A camera that's um called a Mark 127 it uses 127 film. I don't, even, I don't think I've ever seen that. And it's a plastic camera. Yeah. And I start shooting with it, and then I bring that to the drugstore, or my mother brings it to the drugstore. And like a week later, you get you know your one roll of film, and there might be one photo. Yeah. And somehow that that excitement, that one shot. How old were you? I have to say I was about ten. Okay, it's pretty early on. Yeah, so it was, yeah, it was like it was 66 67. Yeah. And so um that that excitement, that 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 seeing that one photo that came out yeah. was just it just made me crazy. <laughs> so then I started shooting more and then as I was in my teens, I'm shooting it and still going going to drugstores or you know however else yeah. getting getting things processed and having to wait, you know, like five days you know <laughs> to get back your role yeah and you have no idea so sometimes i shoot two roles and really splurge and it was there's, there's just nothing like it i mean back then also just waiting for something to come in the mail yeah was uh, you know it's hard for anyone to imagine but what they'd mail your film back to you well, sometimes I sometimes I send it out too. Okay. So I either go to my neighborhood drugstore, yeah, yeah, and that had a pickup twice a week or something. I remember I would drop it out of CVS back in the day, and they would call you on the phone and be like, "Hey, your film's ready." Like, oh yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> it was a long time ago, but yeah. So back then there were there was so much, especially I, I 
So I was a little lonely as a kid and put a lot of energy into this photo thing and then just waiting, waiting for something to come in the mail that I sent out to Seattle or wherever I sent it to, Damn. Seattle Filmworks. I it would just, so, but I would keep on shooting and um, I lived in Long Beach, um, Long Island, um, right out, you know, like an hour outside New York City. Yep. And it's a beach town and like in a little shack I lived in and it was a block from the boardwalk and from the ocean. Oh, nice. Um, and I had a lot of time, you know, my mom was a single mom and she was amazing, but also really busy. And I had a lot of alone time All right. and I would just spend time on the boardwalk walking with a camera. That's awesome. And I would just watch what I, you know, and talk to people along the way. And so it's like the beginning of, you know, of my, I don't do a lot of street photography where I'm just capturing things without. Like there are street photographers who are just like trying to capture things without intervening. It's a really hard skill to like. It's, it's really, so hard. Like people that are good at it, I'm just like, man, how do you guys fucking do it? <laughs> that's that's how I feel. Yeah, and I can't do that. So what I do is more. My street photography is even back then was more like interventional. Like it was more like I insert myself into the situation. Yeah, and I'm talking to the person. Yeah, and then I'm shooting like a. My street photography is really like a portrait, even back then. You're stealth, man. That's what I've learned in this podcast. You're stealth. Like yes. you, you get in these scenarios and you just like somehow maneuver and like make it work. It's it's, it's oh. interesting. Um, can I tell you? I, I I went two years ago. I went cross country with Marissa Fiorici. Okay. Um, she's my studio manager. Yeah, I saw that on your Instagram. You guys just kind of traveling around doing portraits, pretty much. Yeah, we we shot portraits for six weeks across the country. So what we would do is we would drive around. And if we saw someone interesting, we would just like do a U-turn. So that was the whole the idea. Of the project was just it, there wasn't. It was just any, any interesting person will just photograph them. Yes and no. I mean, it was it was all about serendipity and just random, just driving. And we have a rough route, and then we go off and we see. Oh, that looks like a coal plant. Let's see what's going on there. And. Yeah, but there was there were there were moments like we're driving and we're we're driving and I look up I go Frankfurt Frankfurt Kentucky, that's the capital of Kentucky because my grandmother taught me all the capitals when I was five <laughs> years old, and so that's the capital of Kentucky. I said, let's go photograph the governor, and she goes, what? I go, let's see if we can photograph the governor. <laughs> so we pull over, we go on, <laughs> we're hot spotting the laptop, get the governor's number, call the governor's office get them to look at my website and an hour later we're in the governor's office doing a portrait holy shit so that's fucking that just goes to show you all you have to do is just ask the question you, you'll probably get no like no nine out of ten times but you just have to ask yes that's so yes so this whole trip was like that so it's like we're driving by ferguson i say why don't we see if we can photograph the police chief wow and you wouldn't believe what we went through because it was like, first said, let's photograph a chaplain first. Yeah. And we went into a religious bookstore and said, do you know any chaplains in Ferguson we could photograph? And the woman gives us a name of somebody. We call them, and it turns out they're the police chaplain. And what did you tell people like when you, when you hit we're them? We're traveling the country, and I have postcards, and yeah. like we're traveling the country, and we're just photographing people. And people said yes, wherever we went. So we're asking, we, we, we meet this chaplain, and he, we're talking to him on the phone. She puts us on the phone with him. She says, let me call him. Yeah. And we're talking to him on the phone. He says, would you mind meeting me at police headquarters since I'm police chaplain, right. among other things? Yeah. And I'm like, sure, Hell we'll yeah. meet you at Ferguson Police Headquarters. We meet him at Ferguson Police Headquarters, and we're photographing him. He says, would you mind if I go inside and I get the police chief to come out? Hell yeah, bring him on out. Bring him And that was want. our goal to begin with. <laughs> 
That was our goal. When we stopped at Ferguson's, I was like, let's see if we can photograph the police chief in Ferguson. Yeah. And somehow he's asking us if we mind if he brings the police chief out. Yeah. Who was just about to leave for Florida and just happened to be there and came right out. Have you always had that, like, confidence and, like, initiative, like, as a photographer, like, even, like, early on? Or is it... I think like, it's something that's sort of evolved and it's... You kind of grow and you kind of build that confidence, right? Yeah, because I think when I first started out, and I think all young photographers, you have certain anxiety. Oh, yeah. And I'm photographing a president of a hospital, and I'm, like, shaking, because it's, like, the president of a hospital. And I'm like, oh, I'll just be another minute, I'll just be another minute. Do you, sorry, sorry, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, like, you're apologetic. And, like, would you mind, could you just move a little bit like that and just turn a little bit? And, and you're trying to... You're trying to work quickly and and you have this anxiety and you're like oh my god he's president of the hospital and right now it'd be like uh, you, you know like i would ask him you know could you get into a bathtub full of milk you know it's, <laughs> or get naked in a grocery store <laughs> yeah so it's like and that's just i mean there at least there is some upside of age yeah yeah right that's that's the whole upside of being in my 60s is that i've just have built up this all this experience and all this confidence yep. and bravado, is that the word? Is that you just, so, so it's like, sure, I'm getting older and it's really hard for me to bend down for two hours and shoot photos the other day and that's why I hurt my knee. Yeah. So, so there's a downside and also people like, oh, middle-aged, boring guy, you know? <laughs> but on the upside is that I've done it enough yeah, all over and over again so that it's not a big deal. Yeah. And so there's really not much that intimidates me. You know, once in a while I get a little anxious. When do those scenarios, is it usually like a big politician? or It's when it... I really like the person a lot. Okay, okay. Like, yeah. <laughs> You've like read every interview they've done. Yeah, and, and you like, really like the person, you, you right? Know, Does that happen? You know, what, you know what music they like. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, then I'm actually like, oh my God. I just, like, <laughs> no, can't I, believe I'm photographing you. Yeah, yeah, and no, I know what you mean. Um, and with that trip, what was, what were you, what was your guys route? You guys went from Boston to, we went Boston to the, to the, well, after I should tell you, I have a, a flying phobia. So you don't fly at all. I don't fly at all. When was last, when was the last time you went on a plane? It was like 15 years ago. So wow. I, mean, I used to fly a lot. Why is that? Did you have like a bad experience? I, I had a bad experience, but I, 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 I mean, I don't know how deep we want to go into my psyche, but no, this is great. I, this is great. I would I would tie it into flying a lot with my father and never really felt safe with him. Okay. My parents were divorced yeah. and he he'd be like the way I am spontaneous, oh, let's go photograph the governor of Kentucky. He'd be like, "Oh, let's go to Venezuela." Yeah. Um so, you know, like the last second. Like we're all going to to Caracas. Yeah. And so there were lots of situations like that where I'm like, "Oh, don't take me away from my mother or this plane. Uh, I don't know. I don't feel safe." And then he was not a person who you'd he's not the person who would go like, oh, you seem, you seem a little anxious. What can I do for you? Or there's nothing to worry about. Yeah. No reassurance, nothing. And I think it just built up. And then I went through a period where I didn't fly much. And then, and then just, you know, I have four kids, like four amazing kids, and they fly everywhere all the time. And I encourage that. And as a photographer, like, has that ever worked against you in terms of... Oh, fuck, yeah. Yes. <laughs> like when um, Jason Treat asked me to photograph the cover of Atlantic, and I had to, like go to um, Las Vegas to photograph John McCain and I couldn't go. Fuck. And I was like, okay. That turned into a problem too. Yeah. 
because the photographer who did do it, it became a scandal because she ran, she also, she photographed him and sort of make them look not really that great for the cover. Oh, John McCain. Yes, and then she turned off some of her lights when no one noticed it and was lighting them from below. Oh, I think I remember this photo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So the, I'm, the, I'm the reason why that happened, because I didn't take that job. Man. So there, there have been, you know, two dozen times when it's really gotten... And then there are other things where I've just driven to and love road trips, luckily. That's Love cool. it, love it. I mean, love it, not because I don't fly, but I really like being on the road and like the people I run into. No, it's at great. rest stops and in small towns, yeah. and it means a lot to me. So, so there are no flyover states for me, because yeah. everything is a drive-over state. Yeah. And I have one daughter on the West Coast, so I'm, I'm gonna drive out there again, do another cross-country trip, and it gives me this chance to do portraits all along the way. So what happened is we, Marissa and I drove across the country, yeah. and then I spent some time on the West Coast, yeah. and she flew back, and then I went to see my mother in Tucson, and shot photos um, with another assistant, Sasha, along the way, yep. and then flew her back to Tucson, and we drove That's amazing, man. back to Boston. So that, that was, an unbelievable trip. Do you and think? Do you think you'd ever want to like? Get, you think you'll ever go on a plane again, or you think you just got? I think I will for sure. Do it, Mark. I mean, I do it. There's just there's just so many obviously so many places I want to go, and I and I do have like jealousy because everybody I know is like. But also on another token, because I was actually thinking about this looking at your work, is that all obviously all the politics political stuff it's all new england based so i think it is kind of cool because you have like that niche for yourself kind of like you're the new england new hampshire like you've got all these politicians in the boston area for years and years and years it kind of it gives it like its own thank, I, thank you thank you it's a hard thing to do like i've always respected photographers that can like like i interviewed this one photographer estevan oriel great photographer in los angeles and he he kind of documents like LA like um hip-hop gang culture lowrider culture and he's been doing it for decades and he hasn't switched up how he shoots at all he shoots like Canon AE1 like a 50 millimeter lens and like that's about it and I I, that's wonderful and just to have that body of work because like my work's not like that I kind of jump around and stuff and a lot of people try different stuff but like if you can have that like longevity to your work and like looking at your stuff it's obviously you went from shooting film to digital, but it's still like cohesive. You know what I mean? Thank you. And Thank like, you. Appreciate it. Did it take you a while to kind of find your like voice as a photographer? Like, or have you always kind of shot in that similar style? Cause like looking at your work, I always enjoyed, it seems like you love kind of like motion and kind of like blurry, like a little bit of motion to the portraits and stuff. And obviously some off camera flash, but have you always kind of shot in that way? You think? I think I've shot that way, but I think somehow in the last five years, without a sounding egotistical, I think I've gotten better at what I do. I just feel like it's coming easier. Like I can get a good shot almost pretty easy. It's like getting to that. It's always a struggle to get to that next level. Yeah. Um, but I feel like I, there's something has changed. Um, I, my wife died seven years ago. Um, and after Linda died... It was like, obviously it was horrible and went through huge pain. And then yeah. as I came out of that, as my, I have four kids and as the last two went off to college, I felt like I could then focus on my work 
again. Well, it comes through like when I follow your Instagram, I keep saying it, but like you can tell you're excited about what you're doing and it comes through in the work. It's not just like, cause like sometimes you look at people's work and just kind of going through the motions, but like, I am so excited. Like you're saying, you drove up to New Hampshire fucking 36 times. <laughs> I am, I am honestly, I am so excited about working yeah. and my work like I never have been before even it's gone to a different level now where when I'm not shooting I'm not happy <laughs> have, you I, ha- have you had those lulls in your career where you weren't as inspired at certain times kind of or I think I've always been somewhat inspired um I just I feel like I'm in a different level right now so I am just so into it and just looking I can't even drive I there were years when I just didn't have a camera in the like near me in the car yeah. and that wasn't you know i didn't really shoot besides doing commercial projects yeah. or doing editorial projects but now i actually keep my camera in the car and i will often hop out of the car go and talk to someone and then in and then ask them if i could photograph them and then i do this like every day and it's fucking awesome and i just love doing it and it's always there's always some interaction it's not like oh i'm gonna just photograph this person with a long lens yeah. or try to shoot them surreptitiously it's actually, I want to talk to them. Yeah, you want to. And I don't talk to them. I'm not like the, the, the humans of, of wherever York, guy. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't like have a whole story. Yeah. I don't hear their whole story. Yeah. But I feel like I'm good at connecting in five minutes. Yeah. And, and so jump out of the car and then we'll walk over and talk to someone and go like, hey, what's going on over there? And, yeah. And I also want to just say this, this thing, um, Annie Leibowitz has been, um, there's been an ad running on Instagram promoting her master class oh yeah yeah yeah. all these different people do there's like chefs that have one right like, so yeah. Andy Leibowitz has a master class and there it has her speaking and she's like you know it's many people think that as a portrait photographer you have to put people at ease but actually you don't need to and that's not important or something I I, I don't I'm paraphrasing you know that's exactly what she said yeah yeah and every time I I hear that I I get frustrated and angry I think what I took away from what she said was that she, not that, I think, I could be wrong, but the way I took from it was that she just wants people to be themselves. Like, she's not trying to, like, that's kind of what I thought what she meant when she said it. Like You want to capture someone where they're at. Let them exist in their space or something, but I don't know, instead of, like... I mean, her photos are all over the place because, like, she has quiet portraits, but then she has, like, these huge productions where it's, like, these emotions, so it's, like... When she said when she said that, it was like I could see what she meant in some of the work she does, but then it's kind of like I don't know. Right, and, and my reaction. Yeah. Okay, so I, I agree with you. It's yeah. Sort of like you want someone, you want to be meet them where they are, sort of, and you don't want to. Yeah. Try to, to get them to be someone they're not. They don't need to smile if they oh, don't want to. Like yeah. yes. So I'm all for that. Yeah. And I don't in fact want anyone smiling unless they're laughing because they're. Genuine, yeah. something I said or yeah, exactly. something they said. Yeah. But she's also Annie Leibovitz and she doesn't, she doesn't have anyone like we do looking at their watch or with people like who have to leave soon. Yeah, yeah. So like w- the way I feel is that I walk in, if this is a com- more of a commercial or editorial situation where I'm, I have book time, yeah. it's like I need to put the person at ease. I need the person to have a good time. Yeah. Because 
that's the only way I'm going to get enough time with the person. Yeah. You need them to like wave off. They're like, ah, I have this. She's, she's on another thing. Exactly. We're, you and me and 99.9% of photographers are on the talent's time. Whereas the talent exactly. is on her time. Exactly. Which is like, it never fucking happens. It's exactly. This, she's a celebrity. Yeah. She becomes more of the talent. Yeah. And that's not fair. So I would be teaching that in your master class because you're, you're the actual... You're the actual, yeah, I wouldn't be teaching that in my master class because you're the actual talent, Annie. And that people are honored to be photographed by you. Yeah, it's like have more perspective, like, yeah. Because she's like, she's trying to teach like what she's doing now to what younger photographers. It's two different scenarios. It'd be better off if she talked about her early days working with talent before she was like who she is. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I teach teen photo workshops over the summer. Yeah, I was like, I was like, actually, and I, they, they, they come up here, 15 kids one week and then 15 kids, different kids another week. Yeah. And we go out there on the street just so much. We bring a black backdrop Evan brings the black backdrop. <laughs> um, and we are, they're watching me interact with people. Yeah. And how it's like a quick, a quick like connection. So I'm walking up there with sometimes a crowd of 20 people, basically, with interns and with everybody. And we're walking along with a piece of black fabric as a backdrop. Yeah. And I still, often the kids will, will, ask people if they'll be photographed but often I'm like the energy and I'm like trying to show them how I interact with people and the whole idea is putting people at ease and making people feel good and trying to connect as humans to them that's truly the the skill as a photographer it's not really the technical stuff like yeah you gotta have that but the skill is like having that being able to interact because like I know when I started out and first time I was trying to photograph someone that I didn't know, like I remember when I was in college, we had this assignment where we had to photograph people on the street and take their portraits. And I was so fucking nervous. Like I think I actually went and drank like three beers at the bar before because I never done that before. And I was so nervous. And what you realize is like if you approach people uneasy, they're going to be uneasy about you. But like you said, if you approach people with like this energy and like, hey, we're, we're supposed to be here, like then it's like you're going to get this interaction. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Because yeah. even the people you walk by in the street are all, everyone feels like they're busy in their mind. Yeah. Because they have to get to whatever because they're walking somewhere. Yeah. So the question is, it's rare that you run into someone who says, oh, I'm just walking around <laughs> and I'd be happy to be photographed by you. It's always like, oh, I'm trying to get to. They're like, what are you selling me? Like, what, what petition do you want me to sign? Yeah. Like, <laughs> And I'm like, look, I have I have 15 kids right here, young photographers. Would you have a moment? Yeah. Um, so we could photograph you. Yeah. Um, we don't want anything from you. Yeah. And we'll send you a photo, which sometimes we actually do. Yep. Um, and and we have a fun time with the people. And then we look at the photos the next day. We get them. We're shooting film, and we get them processed overnight. Yeah. Um, and we're looking at the photos the next day. And each person, you know, by the end of the week, they're like, you know. 30 people we have photographed on the street yeah maybe more and each person we remember the story yeah do you remember that guy and do you remember this this woman who was so mean to us and that person who was scary because once in a while we run into a scary person yeah, yeah and each one there's like lore about each each person we all remember them and then the photos the kids are still posting photos from the workshop over the winter now that's awesome and i and we love it what made you want to start how long have you been doing the the photo camps like how did what was how did it kind of initially start it started i i i had four kids and there was 
love working with teens. And that sort of went back to, to college when I taught at the, the Binghamton Boys Club. I taught photography there. Okay. So, and was a big brother there. And saw a kid once a week. And, um, and I think it went back to that. Just I just had this love for working with teens. And there was a friend of the family, Rose Friedman, who now is um, a reporter for NPR. Oh, wow. And Rose one day like, just said, you should, you should teach something for teenagers. And that's really, her saying that just like, triggered something, of course. Yeah. And that started, I think it was 16 years ago. And I've been doing it every year. It fills up every year. What do you do for two weeks? Two weeks. So right. it's two one-week sessions. Yeah. It's exhausting. It's so much fun. And we're, you know, we get tours behind the scenes at the MFA and we go on trips and we're in the harbor on ferries. And it's sort of like my cross-country trip Yeah, in the sense. It's actually exactly like my cross-country trip. And I think that's also has helped me hone that idea of the quick portrait. Yeah. Because that's what we're doing. Yeah. And then I took that on the road for six weeks. You know, and, and it's the idea of meeting someone, talking to them, getting an idea of who they are, but not really hearing their whole story. Yeah. And, um, and photographing them and having this connection. And as you know, it's like many times you photograph someone, you, you feel that like you've, one is you feel like sad that you might never see them again, yeah. ever. And then also sometimes you feel like you've made your best friend and that you're going to be in touch with some. Does it ever happen you go on a photo shoot and you get along so well with someone? Yeah, definitely. I've like met people. It's like weird, like like keep in contact with people that I photographed like 10 years ago or something. They might like refer me for a job or like this random shit, like this stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But then there's like those ones where it's like, yeah, you had a great conversation and then you never talk to him again. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I photographed uh, Juliet Kayem, you yep. know, from CNN. Yep. And I photographed her. And, like, for one moment, we were, like, the best of friends. I was like, we got along so well. And I said, this is good. This is Yeah. I think. Oh, I shouldn't say where she lives. That's all right. Okay. <laughs> it's a big area. Okay. <laughs> um, I'll bleep it. <laughs> But what are you saying? Uh, um, and we we connected so well. So like, oh, we're going to be best friends. And like that, you know, and she's like, oh, th- these photos you took of me, are the best photos anyone's ever taken of me. And like, and she's good at her job, man. She's good. Right. And then it's sort of like, <laughs> she is good. And then it's like, nah, we were never going to be friends nah. or talk to each other again, ever. Yeah. But it's just like, you had that experience. That's like the good. I know. Yeah. Which is amazing as photographers. Um, I know how you feel, but I just feel like the amount of people we meet oh, yeah, and connect with, and you can connect with sort of an intimate, sort of intimate. Oh, definitely. For, right? Because it's like an event. Like, you know, it's like getting photographed, like at any point, it's like. For some, like, not all, sometimes you photograph people and they don't really give a shit. It's like a chore for them. But then sometimes you meet people and they're like, you can tell they're like proud. They're like, it might be for an article or something. So they're like, they want to like work with you on it, like collaborate kind of sometimes. Yeah. It doesn't happen a lot, but. Well, you did those photos of the Cape Cod. I really love those photos you did of the Cape Cod League, the Thanks. baseball league. Appreciate it. And um, how did, Teddy, how, how was that? And I, well, because I, I, I like shooting sports, but I don't really shoot the action of the game, really. I just don't really enjoy that aspect of it, and I'm not really that good at it. But I like shooting, like, the portraits and the kind of documentary and all the details and stuff. And I kind of, I've been shooting it, like, here and there, like, for, like, the last 10 years. But, like, 
I would just I'd go down there for a couple of days. But last summer I had the time and I really kind of went and documented the entire season. Like I, if I wasn't busy, I'd drive down there every week and this this lived at the baseball field. And I kind of from going down there for ten years, the coach finally kind of got to know who I was and this finally was like, yeah, man, do whatever you want. I, but still like. Took me a while to kind of build that relationship with those guys to where I'm like photographing in the locker room. I was going to like the restaurants with them when they're getting pizza and all this random shit. And it was this, uh, it was fun, you know. That sounds great. And every year there are different guys there. Yeah, it's so. all yeah, it's all new guys. So it's like I, I'm gonna shoot it again this year, uh, but it's just like started from scratch again because it's all different guys. So I gotta build that relationship up again because the, the, the last summer, the beginning of the season, I was shooting and I was like trying to talk to these guys and I was like, yeah, what's up, whatever, man. Like, but then by the end of the thing, I was like friends with half the guys and like their parents like still call me and shit. Cause I bet the parents want photos too. Right? Yeah, that too, and like they, they were there and like it was kind of it was fun. But uh, yeah, yeah that, that sounds fun. That's a good league. That's a fun. Yeah, man. Because like over the course of ten years of shooting it, like some of those guys have gone on to sign like thirty million dollar contracts in the major league. So I think that's kind of my thing. I, I want to keep shooting it for like years and years and years, and then like twenty years from now have this like catalog of like guys who went into the pros, and that, I think that's kind of my goal. It'd be kind of fun. That's wonderful. Yeah, and you have a lot of portraits of them too, don't you? A ton. Yeah. 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 And how do you? How do you? How did you? Like in a, a day? How do you get them aside to do that? Uh, so a lot of times, uh, they do team photo day every year. So it's like the team photo. So I'll set up like a, a black. I did black this year. I've done white before. I'll set up like a little studio, like on this little stage. So I kind of, I don't spend as much time as I'd like because they literally just like line up so there's like 40 guys in a line so you actually did their official team photo too yeah that too you did i've I've, I've done it every year for 10 years that's amazing so i have like 10 years and i can look through it and like see like hey this guy went pro this guy went pro uh but yeah i'll set up the little studio space and it's kind of shot all those guys like like lit it and stuff and then i'll shoot other portraits too this kind of on the field like grab them i'm like you i shoot quick like i'm not like a like I, I, when I was assisting, uh, it always amazed me. Like some of these photographers, they like every minute detail. I mean, maybe I should be more like that, but <laughs> I'm just not. Like I'm very just like I set my shit up, and it's more like quick, quick, quick. Try to get another setup. Quick, quick, quick. Get another setup. Quick, quick, quick. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. No, I'm with you. Yeah. Um, anyway, with the with the photo camp stuff, like, what's your goal with that? Like. What, are you basically trying to teach them the foundation or like how do you kind of approach it like what are you hoping they'll like learn by the end of the week it's because teaching is a hard skill yeah that's the, i say it's very weak on curriculum yeah um but it's it's strong on experiential things yeah. having a good time so Get, it's having a good time interacting it's, it's interacting with each other it's also just getting out of your comfort zone the way we wander around the city. Yeah. And I think I'm basically trying to show them the way I move around the city. All right. I mean, and we're just trying, I mean, a lot of it's like where we eat lunch. We eat the Chilean sandwich shop or we yeah. go to the Tibetan buffet. Yeah. So it's like, it's, it's curated for like all the things I like doing. 
Yeah. And uh, that's way better, man. There's so many photo classes that I take. You, you're not teaching them the zone system. <laughs> We're not teaching them the zone system. There might be a little talk about the zone system just so that they know there is, is a such thing as a yeah, zone system. Yeah. But in one week, yeah. we're very mindful that we don't want to spend too much time on the technical. Yeah. Even though they're shooting film yeah. and they're using manual cameras, like get your needle in the middle. Yeah. We, might, we might have a little lecture about depth of field, but we don't really expect them to learn what depth of field is. We just want them to know that it exists. Yeah, yeah. We want to show them a photo with shallow depth. They, they, they can go research that on their own time. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So it's more, I, I would say, is just being out there. And um, we schedule the week and we go and we go to Salem and we go. And so we're, we're basically extremely busy. And do you guys like switch it up every year, like go to different spots? and kind of- Every year we're very mindful. We try to see like, oh, this person's coming back, and last year, so we look at, like, session one, we go, okay, session one's filled with these people, and these people went on this trip last year, so we're not going to go on that trip. Oh, but this session has all new people, (laughs) and we can take them wherever we want. So so we're always strategizing that. Um, Another thing I do um, is every Wednesday from 3 to 5, I teach a veterans photo. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that, man. That seems pretty... I I started in... It was right around... um, It was, God, it was... Well, I met these guys five years ago um, and just wanted to do something in the, um, the New England um, Center for, for Veterans, yeah. which is basically a, a shelter. Yep. There's 300 veterans there. And I, I wanted to do something there, um, start teaching a class, a weekly class. So you go there. So I'd go there, but they were going through a lot of tumult. They were they were renovating while the place was open, and it was every time I went, my uh, my my classroom would be somewhere else on a different floor, and there was just something that was so chaotic about the place. And I had a core of five guys, who we really like all enjoyed each other, and I said, I want these guys to come to my studio. They came to my studio, and they've been coming for five years. Oh, so it's the same guys for five years. Same guys. And you guys just all kind of shoot photos and. What we do is it's a mixture. Again, it's sort of weak on the curriculum. Yeah. Um, it's it's sometimes it's, we go out and shoot photos. Often it's like Domingo might shoot stuff off of his deck. Yeah. Of his because they they were homeless at one point and now they all have housing. Oh wow! So it's just amazing. All of them have turned their lives around. They're just amazing people. They're just like. You're just smart and engaged and kind. That's pretty cool. Like, was it hard even getting in the front door? Because it, it was, is it kind of like a state run program that, like, the, uh, was the shelter? It's a nonprofit. Yeah. They get state, some state funds. Yeah. But it was a little hard. But then they were also desperate. Um, it was sort of this mixture. First, you know, um, it, I came up with the idea I wanted to photograph veterans. That's why I approached them originally. Yeah. And I approached them and said, I want to photograph Vietnam veterans. Yeah. Could you guys help me? And then, they started to help me do that, and they said, oh, by the way, uh, we have a whole education department. Would you want to teach a class? Oh, shit. That's awesome. And I said, of course I would. Yeah. And so, so now I'm not affiliated with, with the, the center in any way. Yeah. And these guys just come here, and we're friends. I mean, I mean, there are holidays where they've come to my house, and they're just a part of my life. These guys, are, they're just, I, I, I love them. I like it, man. You're really engaged in life, you know? Like, it's easy to get, like, I think a lot of times, I mean, I'm guilty of it, too, that you get used to your normal daily routine. You're going to work, and you're doing whatever chores you got to do. But, like, this kind of hearing, you're kind of out there talking to people. Kind of, you're, you're poking at you're poking at it, you know? Oh, thank you. Yeah. Well, um, it's important. I, I feel like it, it both, yeah, I don't know what I'd do without it. I yeah. don't know. I don't know. Um, <laughs> 
And I also, I also am, am busy with, I have two cafes. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know if there's time to mention that. Yeah, or... definitely. Yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll wrap up with that. Uh, yeah, you have two, ca- what are they called? They're right in Cambridge, right? Uh, one's in Cambridge. One's uh, Cafe Zing inside Porter Square Bookstore. Yep. Um, a little coffee bar. And I have like an amazing manager. So I'm not there that much. And Heather just does like. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. How does he balance all this? He's driving, I was like, how long have you been doing the cafes? What kind of made you want to get into that? Uh, that it was sort of sort of similar to the way I described getting into teen photo workshops or the way I taught the veteran class. I was just sort of like, just got this. This bookstore opened yeah. in Porter Square, Porter Square Books. Yeah. And I was doing a promotion for the naked go back to the naked calendar if anyone's listening from the beginning (laughs) um so we were doing a promotion for the naked calendar and some of the people in the calendar came to this event yeah and i'm talking to one of the owners of the bookstore and she's like well we're trying to put a cafe over here in the front but people are telling us it's not a big enough area for a cafe yeah and i looked at it and said I think it's big enough for a cafe. <laughs> Mr. Have no cafe experience. Never operated a restaurant. Never right? operated a restaurant. <laughs> never. I had zero. Do nothing about coffee. Yeah. Still don't know much about coffee. Um, so that that space, that little space, um, Linda, my wife, and I like tried to envision this, and then we hired designers, and then we figured this out, and we, yeah, we built the space. How long ago? When did you guys that was, open that it? Was, that was about 14 years ago. Oh, wow. So you, so, so that did really, you know, surprisingly well. Yeah. And being part of a bookstore. Pretty cool. Was, was great. Love, love that place. Love it. Um, I love the people, the, the, the customers that come through and the people I've met over the years. Um, so then. You guys opened the second one? So then. Uh, so. Um, Emily is someone who I just met at the cafe, and it turns out we are co-owners in a cafe now in Arlington, which is like five times as big as uh, Zing, and it's called Kickstand Cafe. Okay. And so it's on the bike path right in Arlington Center, and it's just a whole different thing. This is like a serious cafe, and Emily works there you guys as do the like manager. S- sandwiches and stuff? Or? So we have, we have sandwiches and Vietnamese fresh rolls and baked goods and the whole thing, and it has 80 seats Damn. And it's like you can't find a table. What, what's harder, the photo business or the food business? Because they say uh, what most restaurants close within, like, I think the first year or two of opening, pretty much. Like, <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I just, I don't know which is harder because I, I, I have it sort of easy in the food business because... Emily does most of the heavy lifting. She's the manager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Heather does most of the heavy lifting. But I sort of like come in and work on my laptop and hang out. I basically right. have two great. I feel like hang it's out. one of. The, I feel it's like one of those uh, Italian social clubs. <laughs> for me, it's like when you come in and you're, you. You're just the mascot. Yeah, I just I just go sit in the corner, <laughs> and I just love talking to people, and it's sort of an extension of my love of, just just interacting with people. Yeah. And just I could just sit there and and really enjoy it and the energy that's good so stuff man. it gives people some place to go yeah i mean we have we have like the same people come every day yeah and that's just a wonderful thing. that's awesome well mark i could talk to you all day man it's been a real pleasure 
Um, oh, this is part one? Is this part one? Of yeah, the... it's part one. <laughs> Thank you. I didn't think I had anything to talk about, but I really appreciate you. You're a good interviewer. Oh, thanks, man. I'm trying. Uh, and I guess for anybody listening, if they want to check out more of your work, uh, what's your website? It's just Mark it's Asta. Just, it's just Mark. It's just, what is it? Mark, um, Mark Asta. No, it's Asta.com. Asta.com. And then on Instagram. At, it's just at Mark Asta. Yeah, definitely go check out his Instagram. Uh, actually, no, last question. I love this, that you did this at the end of this year. Most people post like their best photos, their top nine. You posted your worst commission photo that you took in the last 10 years. It was like a picture of like some hockey player and a doctor on ice. I fucking loved it, dude. This is showing that like you still take a bad photo here and there, you know? Uh, Thank you so much. It was great. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. It wasn't really a question, but really loved it. But anyways. I really appreciate that because that was that's like my favorite post. It was great. I ever did. It so. was as honest because like everyone has those photos, but most people are too scared to show them. So it's like maybe I'll start doing that. Throw up some dog shit on my Instagram. <laughs> it's it's sort of fun. I got like more reaction and in, interaction with that than anything I posted. I think. Yeah. yeah. They, they, all right. That's when I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start posting all my bad photos. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Mark. Thank you. So there you have it. That was the Mark Ostow interview. Um, just want to thank Mark for taking the time to come on the podcast and let me come by his uh, really cool studio. Um, it was a real pleasure talking to him. Um, definitely go check out Mark's website at ostow.com as well as his Instagram at Mark Ostow. Um, lots of really amazing work up there. He's always posting new stuff he's working on. Um, just really a, a interesting guy, so can't thank him enough. And as always, I'll be having weekly podcasts every Monday on iTunes, Spotify, as well as my website, alexgagnephoto.com, and on my Instagram, at alexgagnephoto. Thanks so much for listening, and take care.